Speech Pathology Australia acknowledged the traditional custodians of the lands, seas and waters throughout Australia and pay respect to Elders past, present and future. We recognise that the health and social and emotional well-being of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples are grounded in continued connection to culture, country, language and community and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. Hello and welcome to Speak Up, Speech Pathology Australia's podcast. Each week we showcase a conversation with inspiring and influential people who are advancing practice in one of the many and varied areas of speech pathology. Let's hear from this week's contributors. Hello and welcome to this week's Speak Up Conversation. My name is Nadia. I'm one of the ethics advisors here at Speech Pathology Australia and today I'm joined with the rest of the ethics team. Hi Kelly. Hi Nadia. And hi Trish. Hi Nadia. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about our shared responsibility for our digital world. So since March of 2020, a lot more of our lives have been virtual. Initially, this was based on the fact that the world changed and we really needed to very quickly move to a hybrid access model. Um, but now many of us are using choosing to prefer that model and wanting to stay with many opportunities to expand access and help us prioritize work and life balance. So in this podcast, we wanted to spend some time talking about our shared responsibility for the digital world, thinking about this topic as a collective responsibility and a whole profession level is helpful because there are lots of things we want our digital world to look like. And we probably all agree with what we would like that to be as well. So in this podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about our aspirations for what we want as a profession, um, some shared common pitfalls, some things that might be a little bit sticky and tricky for us. And we're also going to discuss any concerns that you might come across and what to do about that. Um, and it might seem a little bit odd that the ethics team are talking to you about this, um, but social media is something that we are aware that a lot of people do very, very well, and that it's a really valuable resource to be able to ensure that you can interact with your colleagues and also with any clients and um, other professionals. When we hear about it, it has tended to go on a little bit wrong, which is why we wanted to make an opportunity to talk a little bit about some of the things that you can do that's protective. And even though SPA has moved away from Facebook, we do still have some obligations that we would like to try and make clear to everyone. So Kelly, can you start us off and talk a little bit about some aspirations? Sure. Thanks, Nadia. So um, when we engage as a professional in a digital space, we need to ensure that our values drive our actions and communications, much more when we're communicating as a professional than maybe other times or in other contexts when we're communicating with others. So it's really relevant um, that we think about our values of respect, dignity, kindness, and responsiveness, and we help use those values to guide our collaboration or the language that we use, that we consider the accessibility for other people, um, and make sure that we keep our interactions evidence-based and safe and that we act with professionalism and integrity. Now, in the latest Speak Out magazine of June 2022, on page 36, we at the ethics team, we put together a bit of a social media checklist um, with some things that we want to move towards as a profession um, and away from in our digital world. So things that I think we can all agree on as uh, speech pathologists is that we want to move towards using respectful language, being mindful that um, 
words that you use can be interpreted differently in the absence of non-verbal non communication. Um, we want to appropriately cite other people's work or our sources. We want to value people's time and education. We want to ensure that our words are culturally responsive and respectful, offer content or trigger warnings when it's appropriate, um, and recognise that social media is not the appropriate place to resolve any disputes or airing personal grievances. So um, that's kind of a kind of summary of where we think on the ethics team that we'd like to move towards. Um, and perhaps now we should maybe explore a few of those pitfalls that we might fall into. Trish, do you want to start us off on that topic? Thanks, Kelly. Yes, as a team, we thought it might be useful to go through what some of the common pitfalls that we see that uh, either are reported to Speech Pathology Australia or we observe ourselves, because it's worth reminding ourselves of what it means when we're having a professional conversation in a context where the norm is not necessarily to communicate as if you're a professional talking face-to-face. So, for example, the, the norms in, and the style and culture on social media platforms really is about posting quickly, the speed of response, pop, popping off a really quick reply to somebody um, that possibly can encroach on personal boundaries, may not help us to reflect on are we using professional language when we're doing it that way, and the style of interaction can be a bit confrontational in non-professional social media platforms. So how do we consider what that means when we are using a social media platform to communicate about something that is a professional issue. So we thought it might be useful to talk a bit about a few of the areas where there are common pitfalls. So Kelly, uh, you often support members in considering whether their advertising is uh, compliant with the Code of Ethics advertising policy, and this is an area that I know you support members with. What comments do you have to make about using social media for advertising or marketing? Thanks, Trish. Yeah, so a common pitfall um, that people might fall into when marketing their business is using testimonials. So a testimonial is another person's opinion or your own opinion about your service. Um, for example, it might be from a parent or another professional, um, but a testimonial can also be maybe a bit of blurb that you write alongside a, a photo or a post on social media. Um, and that information gives clinical information about a client's progress or their diagnosis or, or treatment or their response to therapy. So um, because of that, it's, it's really important that members know what a testimonial is so that they can avoid them in their advertising and their social media promotion. Because if you weren't necessary to know that information, it would be a very easy thing to do because of the way that we use social media. If members would like some more information on what a testimonial is, um, then they can have a read of our new testimonial FAQ, which you'll find on the website. Um, another pitfall is sharing images of clients on social media. So again, the way that we use the digital world is it's very easy to just, you know, oh, something great happened today in therapy. I just really want to share this good news story. Take a little picture and share a bit of information about what happened. Um, but when you are posting an image of a client that's where they're clearly identifiable, then you are posting confidential information that that person is accessing your service. So 
you have to, practices have to have a social media policy and they also need to gain full and written and informed consent from the client to share the images on, on the internet or on social media. Um, and it's important when members are thinking about whether they're going to share an image of a client that they think through that kind of the ethical dilemmas that might come up um, around that. Because once you post that image, you lose all of the rights to that image and that image can be used by other people without your permission. So it's really important that members are thinking through that. Um, and this is an area that we have a, an FAQ coming out on very soon. So keep a, keep a watch out for that one as well. Um, Nadia, I think you're going to talk us through another pitfall um, about clinical questions. I'm going to hand over to you so you can tell us a bit more about that. Thanks, Kelly. Yeah, talking a lot about uh, with members about conversations that happen online, we can absolutely understand the appeal that happens when you've got a um, social media group where you have your colleagues and potentially other people from different professions in there as well. And you want to be able to just say, I've just seen this new thing. I haven't seen it before. Does anyone have any thoughts and advice around it? And look, there's a lot of benefit in those sorts of things, particularly when we're talking about really general level advice. So if we're talking about, let's say, a, a diagnosis that you haven't seen before and someone can say, oh, here are some great articles that you could read. That's a perfect use of social media as far as we're concerned. But a lot of the time you need to be able to give quite a bit of detail in order to get the relevant information across to the other people that you're talking to, to ensure that they can can give you advice that's actually beneficial for what you're looking for and for your clients as well. And at that point in time, as soon as we cross the line of if your description becomes that the client could identify themselves in that post, that's when we know that it's gone too far. So if you are in a situation where you need to give that level of detail, you really need to be thinking about whether this is the appropriate context to have this conversation partly because we want to make sure that we're showing all of that respect and we're keeping in line with privacy and confidentiality laws, but also because we want to ensure that you have the opportunity to have the conversation and actually get the advice that you're looking for as well. So in order to get that good level of clinical advice, you need to be able to give sufficient detail to the other party so that they can understand the complexity of the client and the situation. You need consent to be able to share this information. You need to be able to work with your colleague or supervisor and ensure that their knowledge of the intervention is sufficient for you to be able to plan what this implementation is going to look like. And then you need to be able to follow up as well and make modifications. So it's really appropriate that that actually is a supervisory relationship whether that's with a peer supervisor or whether that is with um, a, a supervisor that has more experience and knowledge in this area than you, either is fine. It's more about the fact that when we post on the social media, it does need to be at that really general level to ensure that we're meeting all of those criteria. Uh, Trish, you have another one for us, I believe. Yes. While we're talking about pitfalls, another common pitfall is that as we do on just personal social media platforms, uh, it's easy to, to move into the realm of making personal comments or providing our personal opinions about a particular issue. It's important when we're on social media as a professional that we maintain that respectful, non-judgmental type of communication, which is what our code of ethics requires us to do, and to demonstrate that kindness to each other in terms of understanding that there can be differences of opinion uh, there can be different approaches to clinical situations or professional contexts. 
and that it might not be appropriate for us to comment on what someone else has done in a particular situation if it's different to us. Because there is a difference between personal and professional opinions, but the issue is that on social media, the two can definitely be blurred. And that's exactly why we're wanting to highlight how professional communication is different to just everyday regular communication on a personal social media platform. For example, if there's a post that you object to or you have a difference of opinion about, reflect on how to comment on it in a professional manner. Is it appropriate to comment at all? Should that conversation be taken offline? Because is a social media platform, the digital world, is that, a, is that the best place to express your opinion of what someone else has done? It's also really useful to be aware that um, it hasn't happened in speech pathology to our knowledge, but there's definitely been some very high-profile cases in the media where legal proceedings have occurred, have resulted from a post by a health professional in a closed group, so they thought that they were doing something that no one else would see, and there has been significant financial and reputational implications to that health professional. So worth keeping that in mind, that the digital world is is open for scrutiny and people will, will take that opportunity up if they can. Similarly, if we're debriefing about a difficult or a challenging situation that we have experienced in the professional context, it's important to think about how much detail we're providing so that we're not appearing to be disrespectful or providing um, our personal comment about somebody else or some actions that someone else has, has taken. Again, as, as Nadia said, it's really useful to use social media to get support from each other and we want that to be a very positive experience for everybody. But again, we need to keep our comments professional so that if we are talking about a difficult or a challenging situation, it's better to not make specific comments about another person, whether that's a client or a colleague or another business or a situation where another person in the group may know that you're talking about them. Just some very broad uh, comments there. And hopefully that's the most common pitfalls that you'll come across. What we'd like to do now is to talk about some more proactive things that we can do if, if we do notice behaviour or conduct on social media platforms that we think may be crossing those boundaries. Kelly, did you have some comments about what we can do if, if the concerns uh, are raised? Thanks, Trish. Um, so... If you see something on social media or the internet that you are a bit concerned about or you think isn't appropriate in a professional context, um, consider if you can reach out and have a respectful conversation with that person and perhaps explore with them what, what is best practice in that context um, that you are, you're looking at or that you've seen. Um, and to do that, it, you do need to be careful with the tone of your communication Things are often better when you can convey that non-verbal communication. So perhaps organising a phone call with that person or if you know them, just having a face-to-face -face chat with them. But, you know, it, it, on the social media world, it's likely that you're not going to know that person. And so you might need to reach out in another way. And if that is the case, then being careful about how you, you know, state that you're going to be giving them a bit of feedback, um, perhaps saying that you don't have any ill ill will towards them, um, but just kind of raising the topic um, and exploring that topic with them, or perhaps kind of thinking about what resources are available um, to so that they're informed 
in that area. Um, for example, it could be that it's a member who doesn't know what a testimonial is and perhaps just a bit of feedback there would really help point them in the right direction with that and that's an easy thing that they can change. So um, as we discussed at the start of the podcast, we all have a collective responsibility for our digital world. So let's keep the conversation going on this topic and let's keep reflecting on this as a profession. Um, and we also welcome feedback here in the, the ethics team. If any members listening to this have any thoughts in this kind of space, we'd love to hear them. So drop us an email um, or give us a call and we can have a chat about it too. I agree with that, Kelly. I think there's a lot of really good opportunities for us to be able to have conversations with members about this. Um, and even if you are the member who has seen something that you go, oh, that's making me feel a little bit uncomfortable. I'm I'm feeling a little bit unsure about what to do from here. Please do reach out for up to us because it might be a matter of that we can have a conversation with you about how to plan for that interaction. Um, but also we have the option to be able to contact other members as well and we can have conversation with with people about the fact that you know that somebody has posted that, that you've posted this and that somebody's seen it and expressed a few concerns and we want to make sure that everyone's understanding what the best practices and applicable standards are so that if there has been anything that we need to follow up about that that we can do so in a timely and appropriate manner that doesn't feel overwhelming we are we are here as a resource um we would really like to help you figure out what some of those boundaries are we, we want you to know that this isn't going to be a conversation where you know we're saying oh we've had this out for however many years you should have known no we're not going to do any of that we're just going <laughs> to let you know what resources resources exist and try and help you figure out how to move forward from there um, so even though Speech Pathology Australia has moved away from Facebook groups at this point in time, we have moved on to the Member Hub, which is a specific professional communication platform. And there are still professional and ethical standards that exist both in the Member Hub, but also on all social media platforms when you are interacting as a professional. So please be very aware that it is easy for people to, um, to take a screenshot if there is concerns about it that you can either share with us, but also be aware of that when you're about to post something thing as well that, that that may well be the result that happens um it is possible for Sparta to still be notified even if we're not hovering over you like uh, we were previously <laughs> thanks for those comments Nadia and Kelly and just to to sort of close off this conversation and round it out the ethics team are really keen to let everyone know that we are constantly impressed with the support and help our members show each other uh, whether that's in person or in the digital world um, but it's often useful to have these conversations just so that we can reflect on and remind ourselves that the standards for communication in the professional context are the same, no matter where that communication occurs. And our chat today hopefully reminds us all to take the time to reflect on the communication style we are using so that the digital world is a nice place and a respectful place for us to be as professionals. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks, Nadia and Kelly. And please be sure to tune into next week's Speak Up Conversation. Bye for now. We hope you enjoyed this week's conversation. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast where all good podcasts are found and make sure you share it with your colleagues. You can also visit us at speechpathologyaustralia.org.au. Thanks for tuning in and bye for now.